Okay, lots of great commotion here in the room, um, but I'll get you to find your seats, and we're going to get started here right away as we look into the Word of the Lord. This is good chatter. This is good chatter. I love this. Well, we're going to continue our series this morning of Thriving in Babylon. We've been on a little bit of a journey um, in trying to look at the life of Daniel, and this is uh, Donna Pichet. Will everybody say good morning to Donna Pichet with us today? For those of you that have not met Donna before, Donna is one of our speakers here on our team. She sits and serves on our preach team. Her wisdom is beautiful, and I love her communication. You got fans here. They're shouting you out already. This is good. But this is one of the things that I, uh, I wish I would have said in our, in our 9 a.m., but I just love how we get to lift women in ministry, Donna, and I'm so thankful that you're here and that you're going to present the Word of God to us today. We love our women here in our church, and so I would like to pray, and then we're going to jump in, and Donna's going to, I'm telling you, it's a challenging message, but let it sink deep. So, Father, thank you so much for Donna. I thank you for her life and who she is to us as a friend. And now as she communicates your word, I just ask the spirit of the living God would anoint her and flow through her. And would you please equip our hearts and our ears to be challenged to hear the word of the Lord, but not to just be listening to it, to do what it says today. Mm -hmm. So teach us, we pray. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Donna. Thanks, Pastor Sean. Well, hello, everyone. As you heard, my name is Donna Pichet, and it's a great pleasure to be able to come and share with you today. <clears throat> we welcome all of you who are here and those who have joined us online. I thank Pastor Sean for the invitation to come and speak to you today and then share in this incredible series, Thriving in Babylon. I really appreciate sitting alongside these man these pastors and watching how dig they deep and mine out the word of God to be able to deliver these amazing series that they have given us over the past while and they've put in a lot of hard work and it really shows we appreciate them so much don't we amen, amen. We've been looking at the first few verses in Daniel and how he and his friends have been taken into captivity and how that looks to us today um, as we relate to it. Pastor Sharn shared with us how not only they were taken captive, but they were put into school and indoctrinated for three years, and how they resisted that, and they became a creative minority. And he challenged all of us to become that too. And now we're going to look at swimming upstream, so to speak, and how to remain faithful with all the temptations that came their way and come our way today and how that relates to us. We're going to begin in Daniel chapter 1, verses 5 to 8, where it says, The king assigned them a daily portion of the food the king ate and the wine that he drank, and they were to be educated for three years, and at the end of that time, they were to stand before the king. Among these were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah of the tribe of Judah. Verse 8, it says, But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. And he asked the chief eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. So, let's set the scene a little bit. 
Normally, when prisoners are taken captive, they're stripped of everything. In Daniel's time, the enemies that they faced would strip them bare, shave their heads, often put a ring in their nose, and throw them into a dungeon where they would be given meager amounts of bread and water to the point that many of them would not survive. But here's a different scenario. It's quite the opposite. These young Jewish boys have essentially been taken captive, and they've been thrown into what's like the Four Seasons all-inclusive resort on steroids. <laughs> Babylon was generally considered the most beautiful city in all the known world. Ancient authorities claim that the walls of Babylon were 60 miles long, 300 feet high, and 80 feet thick. The Euphrates River was said to have went right down the center of the city, and it created an incredibly beautiful atmosphere. Isaiah 13, 17 described the city of Babylon as the fairest of all kingdoms. Did you know it contained one of the seven wonders of the world? The ziggurat, or the hanging gardens of Babylon, which King Nebuchadnezzar created for his queen, and it was beyond anything you could imagine. Can you imagine what it was like for these young Jewish boys? It was a place that was so lush and so gobsmacking beautiful that if it existed in this day and age, it would be ruined by Instagram followers. True story. They were not put in a dungeon and given bread and water. Instead, they were treated like princes and given anything and anything, anything they could ever want. What young man in his teens wouldn't be swallowed up in all of this? In all of this beauty, in all of this lushness. And then on top of it, the king assigned them a daily portion of the king's food and the wine that he drank. And this was not assigned to everyone. It was only design, assigned to special guests. This would have been the best buffet you have ever seen. The finest beef, lamb, chicken, and pulled pork barbecue. It was not just any wine, but the best of the wine. Now, Daniel didn't scoff at having his name changed, and we heard that he had his name changed, and he didn't scoff at that, although it must have been fairly traumatic for him. Jewish names were important, and they meant something. They all had meaning. Like Daniel, my family had to have our name changed in order to fit in. As Jews being persecuted by the Russians, my grandfather, my Zeta, he and his family had to flee with only the clothes on their backs and their lives. And finally, when they made their way here to Canada, there was so much prejudice against the Jews here that my Zeta said, in order to rent housing and find jobs, we have to change our name. So we changed our family name from Meyer Jehovitz to Myers. And my dad eventually changed his name from Jaime to Hank in order to fit in here in society. But we see that Daniel and his friends didn't put up a big fight. They knew what to receive and what to resist. But watch what happens when they decide to opt out for the all-inclusive menu. 
And many of you have been on holidays to these fancy resorts where you can opt into the all-inclusive menu in the resort. And some of them are great, and some of them you need antibiotics for food poisoning afterwards. <laughs> We've all been there. Imagine this all-inclusive buffet in that day and age would still be impressive to us. And we find Daniel and his friends looking at all that food, and it says in verse 8, but Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. And I love that statement, but Daniel resolved, or some versions say purposed himself. And when we look at the original Hebrew language, It's a word that means some or sim, and it means to set in place. In this moment, he sets in place his faith and his trust in God. He learned how to trust God early through prayer, through believing in his word. So he said no to the prime rib, to the pulled pork, to the lamb, and he so much as didn't even eat a little bit of spaghetti bolognese or a single drop of wine. And many people wonder why he did this. Why this did he pick his battles? And it is about picking your battles. Is there anyone here today who has raised strong-willed children? <laughs> yeah. For a lot of you raising children, it's like looking out at the gentle hills of Souk, rolling in the midst. And for those of us who have raised strong-willed children, it's like looking at the Andes mountain range, <laughs> which is the largest mountain range in the world, with thousands of hills and mountain peaks. And you know, when you have a strong-willed child, that you cannot die on them all. You have to choose which hills you're going to die on. Some of them you let roll. Some of them you take a stand and you declare, one of us is going to the boneyard and it ain't going to be me. This was Daniel's hill that he chose to fight on. You see, it just wasn't about eating pork or seafood or bacon. For sure, Daniel had been raised in a, under the Jewish law, and there was lots of forbidden food that they couldn't have simply because it wasn't kosher. And you see a whole list of them in Leviticus. There's a camel because it chews its cud, the rock badger, the hare, the pig. And I believe that some of this should still apply today, because quite frankly, camel and rock badger doesn't sound too appealing. However, if you're a contestant on a loan, those things would be up for grabs. Daniel chose not to eat these things, not because they were unclean or not kosher, but more importantly, he chose not to eat them because they had first been sacrificed to Babylonian gods and idols. And this was absolutely forbidden by his God. So now we see where he takes a stand and he sets his heart. It's where if you're paddling downstream in a boat or a kayak and it's going easy and you turn your boat or kayak around, now you're heading upstream. Here we begin to see Daniel's character of his friends and him. And it teaches us a valuable lesson that we can learn today. And the first one is, we need to resist and stand firm. You not gotta know when to hold them, know when to fold them, know when to walk away and know when to run. 
When we decide to take a stand for God, He creates incredible new opportunities for us. The little choices you make today will open or close the doors of tomorrow. God's faithful to meet us in the midst when we take a stand, and His faithfulness knows no bounds. But just as our children are expected to be obedient to us, God expects no less. And one of the biggest challenges today is the little choices we make every minute of every hour. I'm talking about the things that we partake of, the things we speak of, the things we watch, the things we scroll. This little finger sometimes holds a lot of power of letting us remain faithful or allowing the Babylonian way or the enemy interfilter, in, in, enter our minds. <laughs> what you scroll, what you click on your mouse, what channels you choose, this holds a lot of power. A quote I read recently says, I don't know who it's by, says, I've learned over the years the simplest way to judge the gray areas, like movies, television, social media, music, is to ask one simple question. Can I thank God for this? Wow. That sure cuts out a lot of Netflix and TikTok and a lot of whole other things. Will and I have started and stopped so many Netflix shows and TV shows right now, only because they're not appropriate. We've just started and stopped them. And Daniel learned that he was able to resist the little things and set his heart right with God, that God would show up big time when the rubber hit the road or the chariots hit the rut in his time. <laughs> Daniel learned a valuable lesson, that if you revere the lion within, you don't have to fear the lion without. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. And remember, Pastor Sean shared with us a scripture that says, The enemy comes to rob and kill and destroy, but Jesus comes to give us life, and life more abundantly. Yeah. When we are faithful, God shows up big time. And he not only protects us from the roaring, prowling lion, the enemy, but he also helps us in the tasks that he set before us. I remember many years ago when God called me into the ministry of prayer counseling. And Sue and I were praying with someone that had a lot of strongholds and there was a lot of spiritual activity going on. And afterwards, I went home and the enemy began to torment my mind. And I was getting horrible pictures and thoughts and I went to bed and I had horrible nightmares. And the next day, I went to the Lord in prayer and I said, Lord, if you want me to continue on in this ministry, you have to protect me from the torment of the enemy. And I felt him impress upon my heart, as if to say, where do you see me when, I'm in that room, when you're in that room? And it was like, well, Lord, I believe I see you standing over the person you we're praying with, like a loving father, like a good shepherd. And I felt him say, that's right. 
but where else do you see me? And then I heard him say, I am the lion of the tribe of Judah, and I roar through you. And the enemy doesn't see you, he sees me. And at that time in my life, I didn't know much about the lion of the tribe of Judah. So when I studied it, and we've learned in our Revelation series, that Jesus is not just the lamb that was a sacrifice for us, but he was the lion, the lion of the tribe of Judah that roars for us. I'll say it again. When you revere the lion within, you don't have to fear the lion without. And of course, most of us know that this first trial that Daniel succeeds at sets him up really well for a big case of the hairy lions later. <laughs> to live faithfully in exile and flourish, we need to know God's faithfulness. Do you know his faithfulness? Do you know what his word says? Daniel knew who roared on the inside and he knew to win the battles on the outside. He had to honor God in all he did. It begins with the little things. Temptation from the enemy often comes in tempting little morsels and you have to be alert and ready to set your heart and pick your battles. For Daniel, it was abstaining from food that would defile his relationship with the Lord. And we might ask ourselves, I have to ask myself, what do I partake of that defiles my relationship with the Lord? What do I partake of that allows the enemy to gain a foothold? When we dabble in things that defile our relationship with God, it can open doors to the enemy and create prisons that we must later live in. And we see this so much so with addiction to alcohol and drugs and pornography and such. There's a true story in history about the three Edwards, and it describes the life of Reynald III, who was a 14th century duke in what is now Belgium. Now, he was grossly overweight, and Reynald was commonly called by his Latin name, Crassus, which means fat. And after a violent quarrel with his brother Edward, Edward captured him, and instead of killing him, Edward put him in a room in the castle. And, it, and he, said to, he said to Reynald, you can regain your title and your property as soon as you are able to leave the room. And this would not have been difficult for anyone sitting in this room today or anyone listening online because the doors were not barred and, or locked and the doors and windows were of normal size. But Reynald was too big to fit through any of them. To regain his freedom, he had to lose weight. But Edward knew his older brother and each day he sent him a variety of delicious food. And instead of dieting his way out of prison, Reynald only got bigger. And when the Duke was accused of cruelty, he had a ready answer. He said, my brother is not a prisoner. He can leave at his own will. Reynald stayed in that room for 10 years until the death of his brother Edward when he was released, but he died within the year because of his ill health. He was a prisoner of his own appetite. I have to ask myself, 
and we can ask ourselves, what appetites, so to speak, trap us and keep us flourishing in our walk with God? What is slowly eating away at our faith? I grew up in a non-Christian home that was extremely dysfunctional, and I had patterns and things set in me that I had to break, and it took a lot of paddling upstream to be able to stand where I am today. But God loves to do a new thing. He loves to make all things new, right? God looks after those who trust in him, and we see that these trials that Daniel faces God comes through for him big time. Number two, you can cooperate without compromise. Daniel was living in Babylon, but he wasn't letting Babylon live in him. Daniel's personality was such that he learned to respect those in authority over him, and in doing so, God gave Daniel favor with them. Notice that these four young men didn't try and change the minds of government, but instead, they influenced them. And they didn't change who they were either. Daniel 1.9 says, Therefore he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief eunuchs. You see, because Daniel had such an incredible and intimate relationship with the Lord, and he knew he couldn't corrupt himself, God honored him, and he made a way for him and gave him favor. God helped Daniel be a thermostat and not a thermometer. You have to set your heart on things of God. Now, I've talked to you about this before, about being a thermometer and a thermostat. Thermostats set the atmosphere in a room. They set the atmosphere. Thermometers respond to the atmosphere. They're up and down and all over the place. Thermostats regulate. Thermostats have their feet shod in the gospel of peace. Thermometers tend to tick people off. (laughs) If you're going to survive and thrive in Babylon, you have to be a thermostat. It's not a time to quit and protest, get all huffy and puffy and post a lot of drama on social media. It's time to realize that you're in the system. So ask God for wisdom how to work the system and leave the system better for those that come behind. Use your sphere of influence to find favor with those around you. You're going to need to walk in discernment or you're going to make a lot of enemies wherever you go. You must be wise as serpents, but gentle as doves. Now, it's interesting to note that Daniel was taken into captivity in Babylon in his early teens, and it's believed that he was there well into his 90s. So he influenced four kings. That's a lot, four kings. But his influence didn't stop there. You see, Nebuchadnezzar assigned the prophet Daniel to the high office of the chief of the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and diviners. He appointed him chief of the Magi. Now, we know in our Christmas story that the Magi came to see the birth of Christ. Where did the Magi come from? 
It says they came from the east, from Persia, Assyria, and Babylonia. And it's believed that the Magi of this first century most certainly would have studied the writings of Daniel. And they most certainly would have studied the other books that are associated with Daniel, like the book of Isaiah. This connection between Daniel and the Magi might help to explain why 600 years later, at the end of the first century in BC, they expected a Jewish king to arrive in Judea. It's very likely that the Magi followed the star based on the study of Daniel's writings. So Daniel had to cooperate in some things, but not to the detriment of his faith. And he became a powerful influencer that still influences us today. Amen? Daniel did this well because he purposed in his heart that he would not defile God and he wouldn't compromise. Isaiah 57 says, But the Lord helps me. Therefore, I have not been disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like flint. And I know I shall not be put to shame. To set your face like flint is a figure of speech that the prophet uses to describe the Messiah's unwavering determination to persevere in excruciating tasks set before him. Christ would endure humiliation in his journey to the cross to die for our sins. Flint is a very hard substance and it comes from a sedimentary rock. And when struck against steel, the edge of it produces a spark and it can make a fire. Setting your face like flint implies that you are expecting some opposition. To stand strong in the face of adversity. To set your face like flint means to regard these difficulties as worthwhile because you see where it will lead you to. Are you going to face some tough battles? Yes, you are. At home, at work, at school, it's going to be difficult. You might have to say no to going to certain movies. Maybe not join in on crude jokes that are being told at work. Maybe you're not going to entertain gossiping with co-workers and friends. Maybe you're not going to partake of something that's been offered to you that you know would defile your relationship with the Lord. It wasn't easy for Daniel and his friends to turn down prime rib for vegetables. But when you take a stand, when you set your face like flint, God comes through for you big time. He shows how you not only can survive, but you can thrive. Yes. So let's continue on and see what happens when they opt out of the all-inclusive menu. Well, first of all, the chief eunuch freaks right out. He says, I fear the Lord the king who assigned the food and your drink. For why should he see that you're in worse condition than the youths who are your own age? Why would, so why would I endanger the head my head with the king. He feared for his very life. It was his sole responsibility to make these boys rosy-cheeked, robust, and a little bit fat. And it wasn't going to happen on kale and zucchini. 
Carrying on in scripture, it says, Then Daniel said to the steward, whom the chief of the eunuchs had assigned over Daniel, Test your servants for ten days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance and the appearance of the youth who ate the king's food be observed by you and deal with your servants according to what you see. So he listened to them in this matter and tested them for ten days. At the end of ten days, it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh than all the other youths who ate the king's food. So the steward took away their food and their wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables. Wow. Have you ever seen a fat vegetarian? God made them fat. And I'm here to tell you today that you don't get fat, smarter, more spiritual because of zucchini and kale. It's not because they were vegetarians. We have to give honor where honor was due. If God had instructed them to eat corn dogs and sour dinos, the outcome would have been the same. It was truly the hand of God and his plan that they prospered in all that they did. It wasn't about being a vegetarian. Okay, I have a tangent just for a moment. Let's... Survey says, how many people in the room love kale? Oh, we have a few kale lovers. How many hate it? Yeah. My husband and I, we can't stand it. We find it astonishing at its popularity. My kids say to us, you just have to put more oil on it and massage it more, Mom. I've massaged it so much, I could have my license in massage therapy by now. It's still bitter. Anyway, sorry, I digress. We see that God did extraordinary things through Daniel and his friends because they set their face like flint and they didn't compromise. I love this quote by John Nelson Darby that says, God's ways are behind the scenes, but he moves all the scenes he's behind. Daniel 1.17 says, And for these four youths, God gave them learning and skill in literature and wisdom, and Daniel in understanding in vision and dreams. In their quest to honor them, God, in their quest to honor God, God honors them. They come out on top, ten times smarter, ten times greater, ten times stronger, and a little bit fat. When life happens unexpectedly, God is moving supernaturally all the time. You can expect that. And the last one, number three. Don't try and go it alone. We notice that Daniel and his friends stayed as a close-knit group. Let's face it, not only are we being drawn into a type of Babylonian culture here in Canada, but COVID has taken a toll on the body of believers as we know it. Many of us are familiar with the scripture in 1 Corinthians 12, 27. It says that you are the body of Christ and each one of you has a part. Each one of you are needed. But COVID has torn us apart and scattered us like exiles in the wilderness. My two-year-old granddaughter, she's spicy. She might be in Andy's mountain range one. She loves playing. Oh, we already lost his nose. She loves playing with Mr. Potato Head. 
but in a mischievous way. She loves to come over and she grabs him and she rips his body parts off and she scatters them from one end of the room to the other. And she especially loves to rip out his eyes and then she hides them on me. <laughs> and then she goes around like she had nothing to do with it, but she's so dramatic and she's like a little Jewish baba who's just burnt all her knishes. She goes, oh no, oh no. Legs gone, eyes gone, nose gone, bubby, where, where? Like, she had nothing to do with it. And in a sense, the enemy has done the same thing to us with COVID. As a body of believers, he has scattered us from one end of this nation to another. And he's lured us in to believe that maybe perhaps we can survive for a bit on our own. And we can, for a bit. But that's not how God designed us. We are the body of Christ. And it's important for everyone's health that we come together. We need each other. Even exiles need the opportunity to come together and celebrate their beliefs and their identity. We need to lean on each other when the going gets tough. As Pastor James says, a three-strand cord is not easily broken. Not only do we need accountability, but we need to come alongside each other and encourage each other and stand together when we get a case of the hairy lions roaring in our face or when the subtle temptations come our way that try and lure us away from the Lord. We need each other to pray together when we're facing sickness, financial difficulty, or family problems. We need to pray for our kids. And what they face today, it's daunting. We need to encourage each other in raising our children because the educational system, the enemy wants to control it and he wants them to be immersed in his worldview and his philosophy of life. The enemy's fundamental goal is to obliterate the memory of the Lord and to re-educate our minds into his way of thinking. And we cannot preserve our heavenly identity on our own. We can't. Left to ourselves, the pressure of this world will eventually crush us into its mold. But together, we can help one another stand strong. Not only do we come together and celebrate and corporate worship and rejoice together, but we can pray for one another. We can hug one another. And we can remind each other that indeed our trials are difficult. But it was first Christ who set aside everything to die for us on the cross. He set his face like flint, determined to die for us, though we are sinners. And his faithfulness knows no bound. His love knows no bounds. He is for us. He roars for us. He roars at the enemy. He makes him tremble. And we can spur one another on to resist and stand firm, to cooperate, but not to compromise, to set our faces like flint, and to influence those around us. And in this, 
we see a transformation. We see a transformation in our homes, in our marriages, at our work, with our kids, in our communities. And then he begins not only to restore us, but he brings us back together, stronger and flourishing. Some of us even get hair. Yeah. And there you go, hair and a bling. We all like bling. And we have tater tots. I have to say, I love the tater tots in our church these days. We have lots of tater tots, and it's awesome. We come together stronger. We thrive. We flourish. And we finally understand the scripture that's so widely used in our Christian circles today. In Jeremiah 29, 1-14. This is what the Lord Almighty says, the God of Israel. Say to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses, settle down, plant gardens, and eat what they produce. Marry and have tater tots. Find wives for your son and marry your daughters so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number and do not decrease. And seek the peace and prosperity of the city I have sent you to. Because if it prospers, you prosper. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call to me and pray to me, and I will listen. You will seek me when you seek me with all your heart. God wants us to prosper and flourish here in Canada, though at times it's starting to feel like we are exiles. And perhaps there's some of you here today that really need prayer to fight against the temptations that you face. And others may say, I really need prayer to close the door on some things that I have open to the enemy, some prisons I have created for myself. And the pastors are here for you. The staff at this church is here for you. More importantly, Jesus is here for you because he comes to heal the brokenhearted and set the captives free. But for all of us here today and for those who are listening online, let's just close our eyes in prayer. Dear Jesus, we thank you for your word today. Help us to resist and stand firm, to set our faces like flint when temptation comes our way. Forgive us where we have opened doors to the enemy or defiled our relationship with you. Help us to be wise when choosing our battles set before us. Give us boldness and discernment to cooperate and not compromise. To be powerful influencers in our spheres of influence. Protect us from the snares of the enemy and help us to thrive in every area of our life. And with all eyes closed, maybe there's someone here today who hasn't accepted the Lord as their Savior. And if you would like to do that today, he's here for you. And you can just raise your hand right now and pray with me. Dear Lord, I realize that I can't go it alone and I need your help. Forgive me of my sins 
and help me to set your heart on you, to become my Lord and Savior and lead me into a life that thrives and flourishes. Amen. And if you prayed that prayer today for the very first time, could you text the word LIFE to 250-478-7113? One of our pastors would love to come alongside and help you walk through that. It's been a pleasure, and I just encourage you to go thrive and flourish in all you do. Thanks. Amen. Amen. That's a good word today, church. Good word. And we believe that you can walk into Babylon today and you could thrive with the wisdom that comes from the scriptures there. That's powerful. Thank you, Donna, for that this morning. I'm personally challenged in that. Church, I hope that you have a great rest of this week. Make sure you pick up your Christmas catalog. Get your candies in. Sign up your trunk. Get some junk in the trunk. And let's do this next for our community. But we love you. Have a good week, and we will see you next time.